But one of the things that I learned very quickly is that when you move every single year, uh, you have to rebuild your community. You have to find people. You have to get plugged into churches and organizations, um, and it can be exhausting. Hi, my name is Ava, and this is your Truth For Your 20s podcast with Mama. Peace. Hey, my name is Katie Bulmer. I was your typical heartbroken and hungover sorority girl who looked for love in boys, Bacardi, and did I mention boys? After the breakup that broke me, I met the only man who can truly fulfill me. His name is Jesus. Shortly after that, I met my husband, the best example I have met of Jesus on this earth. Today, I have never been more sure I am right where I'm supposed to be on a mission to help today's young women find their life calling, stop dating dirtbags, and basically just be who I needed when I was younger. I've been called a big sis, an adopted mom, or my favorite title, a cool aunt. But however you think of me, get ready to be challenged and encouraged. This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Okay, if you like to eat, (laughs) you're in the right place and the right episode. My name is Katie. This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. And today I'm talking with my new friend, Abby Turner. Abby is the author of a new book called The Living Table. She is a lover of all things Jesus, food, and dinner parties. And I thought she would be such a fun guest because it's such a beautiful gift about eating and food and the table and hospitality. So Abby, I cannot wait to hear all of the lovely things from you. So first of all, just say hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be a fun conversation. You're probably going to leave hungry, but that is a great thing. (laughs) Well, I was looking at your Instagram before we got on here and I'm already like salivating a little. So yeah. Yeah. Welcome to my life. Yes. And you are in the lovely state of Arkansas. Is that right? I am Northwest Arkansas. So the Ozarks. The Ozarks. Hot and humid. (laughs) Well, I'm in Chattanooga, but I moved from South Georgia. And when people say it's hot and humid here, I'm like, they don't, they don't even know. They don't even know what hot and humid is in the mountains. (laughs) That's right. I don't know. Well, I love what you do as far as just opening your table and opening up your home and cooking. And I think this is kind of an under talked about, I guess you could say subject as it relates to nourishing food and nourishing our friends and conversations and all the things about making room at the table in your home for your friends. So I guess I would love to just know a little background on you and how you got to do what you're doing now. Yeah, well, you know, much like how God works, um, this is not what I thought I was going to be doing. I am not a trained chef or a culinary artist or uh, Martha Stewart at all. Um, I started out in college athletics and worked at a number of universities in the athletic department in marketing and loved it. But one of the things that I learned very quickly is that when you move every single year, uh, you have to rebuild your community. You have to find people. You have to get plugged into churches and organizations. um, And it can be exhausting to do that year after year after year. I think there were five years, six years in a row where I moved every single year. And so um, I was constantly picking up and rebuilding my my tribe of people. And um, I got good at it and learned that skill set pretty quickly. I think it's cool how I 
that time of my life, God was teaching me something that I would need later in life. I think that that goes back to the Psalm where it says, you know, God is the light to your path. Um, or your feet, like where you are right now. Um, You don't need to see the mountains or the valleys in the distance. You don't need to see the entire landscape. You just need to see right where you are. And um, we need to be good stewards every single day. And so um, during that time, learning how to build community kind of led me to, um, you know, kind of where I am now. I I decided that that was not where I wanted to stay or do what I wanted to do full time. Um, I wanted to have a family and just really get plugged into a city and a community and kind of plant my roots. And so about seven years ago, I um, established myself in Northwest Arkansas and working for Walmart at their corporate office and um, just meeting a completely different group of people in a completely different world. Um, And so in that, um, I have you know, I was in food marketing, so I was with photographers and food stylists on a very regular basis and learned um, kind of the art of food styling. I would not say that I'm a professional, but I tried to be super intentional. Again, planting myself right where I was, being a good steward every single day. And so on set, um, on these photo shoots, I would just watch and learn and glean from these food stylists and photographers and learn their craft. But I wasn't learning their craft to go back and do their craft. I was learning their craft so that I could be more intentional as a friend to them. Um, I could build a relationship with them. I think that a lot of times when you are looking to build your tribe or you are looking to invest in somebody, the most the, the easiest way to do that is just be intentional with them, meet them where they're at. And so I did that and then started coming back home and cooking and putting it on Instagram. And people were like, can I have that recipe? And I was like, I don't, I don't know if it's a good recipe. I think it's tasty. But so I started using my Instagram and then it kind of grew to where I needed a blog and the blog turned into, I was on podcast. Um, coincidentally, I left college athletics to, uh, you know, to, establish myself in a city to plant some roots, to grow family. And, uh, seven years later, still single. So cool. Uh, no, but it's been so wonderful (laughs) just to, um, learn, uh, walk through this season of life that to me feels a bit extended, but in God's goodness and provision and just how incredibly, um, wise he is. Uh, he knew exactly what I needed and what, where I needed to be and what my um, experiences and situations needed to be for me to have a book and talk and encourage women. And so um, I guess I started talking on podcast about singleness and loneliness and how God's provision for loneliness is not just marriage. It's also the church and community and, uh, and then it kind of morphed into writing a book on community and the living table. So long story, very short, I have used, you know, my entire, I guess, last 15 years of my life, um, have been devoted to building community and food in very different ways. And God has kind of wrapped them in a nice little bow called the living table. Wow. 
That that's super cool. First of all, I love that you say food stylist because I did not know that that was a thing. But just knowing that, I feel much better because last night my husband grilled this fabulous salmon, and like we had some fresh cucumbers in the garden, like and it was also pretty in my brain. And I went to go take a picture of it, and, and it was like you could almost hear the womp womp like it just did not look pretty at all but apparently that's because food styling is a thing so just knowing that I already feel better so thank you yes it is a thing it is a thing so do not be dismayed or discouraged when your food does not look in fact I did I do a Sunday supper club on my Instagram and uh, I make something and I had put up a picture of it earlier in the day and said this is what we're making tonight and then on the live I kind of showed turned my plate around and showed them I was like this is what it looks like (laughs) that picture I showed you took a minute to make and to you know I was perfectly placing everything this is actually what dinner looks like and kind of held it up and so I think that sometimes it's, you know, give yourself grace. Yeah. Give yourself permission to just enjoy food. It doesn't have to look perfect. Well, it was quite delicious. It didn't look like pretty Instagram, but it was, but it tasted really good in my belly. So that's all that matters. <laughs> good. <laughs> um, you also mentioned something I definitely want to touch on. And that was how, you know, you found yourself single, even though your plan, which I think God's like, oh, cute. They make plans. But anyways, like your plan was to be married and have, 7.5 kids or whatever it was. And God's like, cool. But in the meantime, I want to teach you about hospitality and opening your table and kind of this cure for loneliness, I guess. And I yeah. need to hear more about that. Talk to me about all that good stuff. Yeah. So um, I always kind of thought, you know, I had a plan. I grew up Southern Baptist and the thing was to do was go to college. I went to a Baptist college. So go to college, find a husband get married, maybe work for a couple years, but definitely start having babies. And that I looked up about five years in, I was like, huh, that isn't really kind of what happened to me. What, what, where did I go wrong? And I just kind of had to walk through some doubt that I was where God wanted me to be, needed me to be. And that God doesn't, just because I'm single doesn't mean that God wants me to go through life alone. That's not how he intended us to go through life. He wants us to have a community. I think, you know, that's why in the new Testament, when, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he said, I'm leaving my spirit here with you. That's why in acts, you see the church flourishing because they worshiped and they prayed and then they ate together. They did life together. God wants us to do life with other people. And I found myself, you know, sometimes it's just easier to sit in your apartment or sit in your house or not waste space in your, uh, you know, small home for a a table and just be like, you know, I can eat on the couch or I'll eat on the go or I'll sit in my bed and eat if that's your thing. Uh, So for me, it was being super intentional with understanding that God wants me to do life with other people. Um, Loneliness breeds doubt. It breeds insecurity. It breeds um, kind of a, a, a shamed, um, perspective of, I don't, I'm not worthy for people to come over. I'm never going to find love or I'm never going to find friends. And that is where the enemy wants to keep you. He wants you to be in your home alone so that he can begin to plant seeds of doubt and he can begin to 
to teach you that you're unworthy. And it's like, no, you need to be around people because when we're around our community, we are edified, we are encouraged, we are lifted up, we are supported. Um, That intimacy that grows through connection just allows us to be vulnerable in parts of our life where we are going to need people to lift us up, to carry us. So you remind me of Annie F. Downs, like um, she's single, but she's all the time like having parties and stuff. Like that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's about, it's about the intentionality behind it. Right. Like I, it's so easy for me not to do a single thing at night. It's easy for me to turn on the big bang theory and just veg out, but it's, it, it means more and it fills my cup more if I'm intentional with people. Now, what I find at 32 is that there are a lot of my friends that are in a different stage of life than me. They are married. They have kids. They are in very serious relationships. So it's, I can be spontaneous as a 32 year old single, but sometimes my friends are in different stages of life. So I have to be more intentional with them. I have to plan things with them. And so if I go through or I feel myself slipping into this mindset of doubt or mindset of, you know, a lack of worthiness, um, it's a loneliness. It's it's time for me to kind of pull my bootstraps up and say, okay, next week I need something on Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night and Thursday night because I need connection. I need community. That's, that's what God left when he, when Jesus ascended and he said, bring people together life. You're not meant to do it alone. I want you to do it with the body. And so that looks like a lot of different things. But for me, um, it looks like bringing people sitting at my table, being in a posture of obedience to say, okay, I'm going to be hospitable. I'm going to invite people into my home. And we're going to build connection and relationships around the table. I love that. And, you know, a lot of times this is, you know, Truth Very 20. So we have a lot of young people. I I notice there's a, a disconnect or a lack of information when it comes to graduating college. And what I mean, like, naturally through high school, you're just surrounded by peers. And like, it's just natural to meet friends when you are at school. And then when you go to college, same kind of thing. And you join clubs or sororities or organizations or whatever. But no one talks about being 22 or 23 and moving cities or just going into the real world with a hodgepodge of coworkers, different ages, genders, whatever. And it's like, good luck out there. And I feel like you mentioned that a little bit too, moving and finding your way. I guess maybe talk to the girl in that season of life. And no one teaches you how to intentionally build community. So what do you even do when you invite people over to your house? I want to hear more about that. Yeah. So um, I will say I had a conversation with my mom. I'm super close with my family and had a conversation with my mom a couple weeks ago. And I, I get that I wrote a book and I have a perfectly curated Instagram, but life is not perfectly curated the majority of the time. And so I want to be transparent with those that are listening that I struggle with doubt and loneliness just probably as often as you do. Um, and, and that I, the conversation I had with my mom, I said, she got married right out of college. I said, mom, can you imagine I being going through life? Like I'm so tired of being alone and, can you imagine doing that for 12 years? Like I haven't had anybody. I wake up and it's quiet in my house. And my mom was like, no, Abby, 
I got married right out of college. I, I don't understand that. And it kind of affirmed me that like, okay, not everybody is like this, but I am validated in how I feel. And so you are be validated in that it is hard to go through life waking up in your apartment by yourself or um, not feeling like you are on the marriage train or the baby train with everyone else. But I want to encourage you that that's what your community is for. And what I found is the easiest way to do that is to make sure that you put yourself in a posture of obedience, just clean off the table. The first thing you have to do, that table does not need to have your books or your your purse or your laundry or anything else on it. It needs to have um, plates and glasses and napkins so that at any moment you are ready when somebody walks through that door or when you invite someone over. Um, a lot of times my parties look like, or my dinner, I'm going to call them dinner parties for lack of a better term, um, but usually it's just, hey, I really want local lime tonight, which is a, a Mexican restaurant here in Northwest Arkansas. I was like, I really want local lime tonight. Does anyone want to come over? I'm ordering cheese dip and some fajitas for like four. And I'll put that out there into, you know, group chat and I'll have three or four girls come over. It is something that I did not make, but I plated it and we sat down at the table and we broke bread and had meaningful conversation. And I think that that there can be so many um, insecurities on that and that it's intimidating from Pinterest and Instagram and food network and HGTV. And everybody wants to be a Joanna Gaines or a Martha Stewart. And it's like, okay, but we have to remember that they have a team of people helping them. Yeah. It's just us. Give yourself some grace. We are not meant to do life alone. Clear off your table, order some takeout or make some food for my, my cookbook. Cause it's really easy. Good food. <laughs> It's so easy to invite people over. And I guarantee if somebody, if you're thinking, okay, I really want to have dinner with somebody, there's somebody else on the other side saying, I really want to have dinner with somebody. You Amen. are not alone in thinking that. I love that. And say something too about persistence. Cause I have yeah. we moved to Chattanooga about four years ago and everyone's like, Oh, moving's hard, moving's hard. And I was like stubborn. I'm like, whatever I'm friendly. It'll be no big deal. Well, we moved to a small town outside of Chattanooga and everyone has lived here their entire life. And they know they have their connection. They have their people. And I wanted to find friends. And so I took persistence of like, Hey, you know, want to get our family together. Hey, you want to meet at the gym for a workout or whatever. I didn't get yes the first time. And I feel like a lot of people, yeah give up at that point. Oh, they don't want to be my friend. Well, maybe they're just busy. They can't, they literally would like to hang out with you, but something came up. So did you have that experience as well? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And you, you can quickly go into a really big hole called rejection. Yeah. <laughs> and as an Enneagram three, I like a tons of, tons of affirmation. And so if I don't get affirmation, I'm like, Oh great. So I didn't do it well and you don't like me and we're not ever going to be friends. And that is so false. That is what the yeah. enemy wants to tell you because he wants to keep you from people. And so for me, what it looks like or what the story that I paint or the picture that I paint in my mind is that picture of running a marathon in that if you start and today and say, I want to run a marathon, you cannot run a marathon today. You can't even run a marathon tomorrow or in two weeks. It takes you months to build up enough stamina and enough um, 
you know, experience to understand for your body to understand for your, for your mind to catch up and say, okay, we are going to be running for like four hours. Just keep going. Right. And I'm not a runner. So if I'm, if I'm misquoting what marathon training is like, forgive me. But I think that the, the picture is there, right. That you're not going to become a best friend with someone tomorrow. You're not even going to be their best friend next week. It takes consistent intentionality to build those relationships. And you also have to give grace to those people. We go through life and it ebbs and flows. We're busy and sometimes we're we're, um, more flexible in some seasons of life. Maybe their cup is full. Maybe they have, you know, their four or five people that they are mentoring or discipling or building relationships with and adding another family to that is, so don't just put all of your eggs in one basket. It's, it is a, when you are trying to go out and build your tribe, how many people did Jesus go up to? He had 12 men that he approached. Are we approaching that many? Or are we just putting our eggs in one basket and say, I really, I see you at bar class. I really just want to be friends with you. Well, maybe God's calling you to be friends with someone else. So praying through that, God, provide, provide those divine moments for me to connect with people because he will provide them. He will orchestrate that. You don't have to worry about who's going to be in your life. He asks you to just be obedient in asking them to be in your life. Yes. And yeah, and don't get all, you know, upset if they can't meet with you the first one, two, or maybe even three times you ask. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And it, it might just be, you know, after, if they say no the first time and then the second time say, Hey, I would love to grab coffee, do something very simple, very noncommittal and say, Hey, I'd love to grab coffee and just kind of hear your story. Um, get to know you a little bit. I'm new to the area or, I, you know, would love to get to know you and, um, and see what works for them because maybe it's the times that you're throwing out. Maybe they feel uncomfortable coming to your home. Maybe they don't like Mexican food and they don't want to eat local lime with you. So yeah. it, it, it could be a, a, a variety of reasons. So just give yourself some grace, give yeah. yourself co- some compassion and, and it, it will, God will orchestrate the timing and the people at the right, at, at the right time. A hundred percent. And when you talked about, you know, hosting and having dinner parties and all of that kind of stuff, I think that, well, this is my story. I know when my husband and I first got married, I wanted to have my roommates from college over and I spent like the whole day cleaning our little bitty duplex from top to bottom. And I got out cloth napkins, which I don't even think we have anymore. Like the best silverware we got from our wedding and like all the things. And my roommates were like, so impressed. And it was like the fanciest meal I could ever think of. And that was the first and last time we ever did it because I was exhausted. They probably thought they could never, you know, meet up to that (laughs) because it was just so ridiculous. And then I remember later, um, probably a few years later when we had toddlers running around, I had another friend, it was like 5 PM. We were talking on the phone and she was like, Hey, do you guys want to come over for dinner tonight? And it blew my mind that she had like maybe 30 minutes prep time. (laughs) And she invited us over to dinner. There was laundry overflowing, like there were crumbs on the counter. And it was one of the most wonderful dinner 
time I get to have with one of my good friends. And so those two drastic, you know, (laughs) different things, I guess, what does it look like when you host a party and then giving people space and permission to like have imperfect dinner parties? Yeah, I think that when we, when we try to be perfect, um, at a dinner party or at a, a Friendsgiving, Galentine's birthday party, you name it. I think that, um, we, we almost get in the mentality that Martha had in yeah. scripture of like, I'm trying to outdo God. I'm trying to outperform God. And I think that that is the quickest way for Jesus to kind of humble you and say, I just need you to love on my people. Yeah. I don't need it to be perfect. I don't need your house to look pristine. I don't, I don't need it to be Instagram worthy. I need you to focus on the people. And I think that if you look at the way that Jesus did ministry, if it, Paul calls us to be imitators of Christ, I think if you look at how Jesus calls us um, or he did ministry, it, he did ministry in those everyday moments I mean, can you imagine what Zacchaeus's house looked like? I mean, he wasn't ready for Jesus, but yet Jesus was like, I want to come over to your house. And so they went, I mean, you look at Paul's mother-in-law and not Paul, Peter's mother-in-law and she was sick. Jesus healed her in the house. And it scripture says she immediately starts serving them. Her house probably looked like all of our houses do when we're sick. You know, there are Kleenex everywhere and the pillows are in disarray and nothing's picked up. But that's that's where he likes to come into the mess. He likes to 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 orchestrate around that. And so if we're painting this perfect composition and inviting people into like what we think our life needs to look like, we're not opening ourselves up to be vulnerable with them. And I think that true intimacy lies in vulnerability. And when we can invite people over into the mess, I think it almost gives them a free pass to say, Hey, I'm not perfect. And I, if you don't judge me, I'm not going to judge you kind of thing. Um, I also think, you know, it's kind of like being on a roller coaster in that you put your, you don't put your seatbelt on in the middle of the roller coaster. You put your seatbelt on beforehand, just like that. You want to invite your people over and you want to build those relationships before you get into the mess of life. Right. You don't, you don't just say, Oh, I'm going through the Valley. I need friends now. No, we need friends to start out the journey with. We need our community to walk with us through the journey. And so keeping that top of mind and that it's not about the decorations or it's not about the food. It's about the people and living every day with them. I'm combining all my top advice, everything I hear most often when I have mentoring calls and putting it in one easy to digest course. It's called From Heartbreak to Happily Ever After, and it is available now. I taught a similar style course back in January. I got your feedback. I learned some, and I put this together in four different modules, walking you literally from a heartbreak to a healthy relationship. We're going to talk about healing from hurt, loving your single life, chemistry, infatuation, and have a shame-free discussion on sex. And then 17 things I've learned in 17 years of marriage. I put a lot of research into each module and I pray this content will help change your dating life for the so much better. 
If you've never been through a heartbreak, it still applies. You can just skip the first one and go ahead to the dating and loving your single life. If you are in a relationship, this also applies to you because it helps you find a healthy relationship. Evaluate where you are, where you want to go, and how to get there. Find all the information on my website or on Instagram. That's at Katie Bulmer Life. And Truth For Your 20s listeners get to save 10% at checkout. I love that. So talk to me about your book. It just came out. What prompted it? Tell me about your heart and soul and the passion and all the good stuff that went into that. Yeah. You know, when I first um, was a pro- I was approached to write a book on singleness and community and I quickly shot that down. <laughs> I said, no, I do not want to be the spokesperson, the poster child, the face of singleness. Um, I want to, um, you know, I want to focus on community. And so that's where I kind of was like, Hey, I think that there is a need for an easy cookbook that breaks food up, not by meal type, but by moment. So throughout scripture or throughout, throughout the book, um, you have, you know, different types of moments that the food is, is divided into. So you might have a pool party or a coffee date um, or a Bible study or book club or movie night. All of those moments are moments in life that we can bring people into our home or that we can go over to people's homes. And, and you know, it sometimes it gets intimidating. What do I cook for a movie night? Well, go to the movie night section and there are four or five recipes that you can you can pick from. So it was super important for me not only to provide inspiration on really easy things to make, but also really easy moments to invite people, invite your people into your life. Um, some fun, fun out of the box things. Uh, and so we called it the living table because, you know, like I said, I don't think the table should be kind of this pe- just piece of furniture we walk past. It needs to be active and living, and it needs to be a part of our life every single day. Um, and if we miss a moment to sit down at the table, we are missing a moment to eat with with our Lord. And I think that it, that is um, a really important uh, kind of mindset shift that we need to start taking, especially after the year, um, year and a half we've had of just isolation and just seclusion. It's like we need to reclaim the table. We need to sit back down at it we might have a little bit of muscle atrophy. We need to re-exercise those muscles of hospitality and cooking and inviting people in and kind of reconnect with each other. Yeah. So in this, you spoke to it so well, you know, obviously we're in this year and a half weird pandemic time, but then also kind of during this, like we don't value sitting at a table or maybe you just never grew up that way. And it was TV dinners in front of the TV or whatever. That's fine. I mean, like, I'm not here to say there's a right or wrong way, but why does the table matter? And like, what, give me the significance of obviously healthy food and beautiful, like all of that is good and awesome. But like just the gathering together at a table, opening up your home, like, people could be like, Oh, whatever, who cares? I'll just grab some Taco Bell on the way out. Like, (laughs) why does it matter? I mean, I think we know, but I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So God, um, you know, he instructs us to make the Ark of the Covenant because that's where he will be. And then he, um, says, I want, I want you to build the table. And I think that there's significance in that he teaches us then says, okay, on top of the table needs to go the bread plate. It needs to go the chalice. It needs to. So he is, he is teaching his people how 
to dine with him. You know, Jesus then, I, you take that into, into the New Testament and they're eating the Last Supper and Jesus says, I have eagerly desired to eat this meal with you here. He wanted to eat a meal with his closest friends around a table. And then in Revelation, I mean, you're going cover to cover here talking about the table. And God says, I have prepared a banquet table and I have a seat waiting for you. And so if God puts that much importance on sitting at the table with his people, why would we not do the same thing if we are called to be imitators of him? So it was, it was this entire kind of mindset shift of, I need to stop eating as much as I love Chick-fil-A in my car. I need to stop eating it alone in my car. I need to bring Chick-fil-A to the table and bring it to the table with somebody because there is something that happens. It is divine. It is God ordained. It is when we sit down and sit face to face with our community. We are vulnerable. We are intimate. We are broken. We are connected. There is something divine that happens. God just orchestrates all of it. And he says, yes, because this is where I need my people. I need my people at, at the table, edifying, encouraging, lifting each other up, walking with each other through life because you're not meant to do it alone. And this is the best place to do it. I'm having all these thoughts about how how, first of all, divine the table is, which I had never heard all of that. So thank you so much for sharing. And then how the significance possibly of having dinner as a family and then how different families could look in different seasons of life. And you, um, although craving family at one point, God gave you this family that you have created with your friends by intentionally opening up your home and serving meals. Like, I'm just like getting all the feels over here about the significance of a family and a table and community. Like it really is, there's something there and it's something that I haven't even thought about that much. And you wrote a book on it. It's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, No, I love it because I, you know, I always thought that my table was going to be full um, with a husband and kids and, you know, kids at one point in life, I was like, I want an entire sprinter van of kids, (sighs) you know? And, and now my table is so full with people, with my friends, kids, with my friends, husbands, and this is my family. This is my community. And it looks different than what I thought it was going to look like. And yes, I still struggle with the fact that it's not what I thought it was going to be like, but man, God's doing good. God has provided me a family. He has provided me an outlet. He has provided me a community of people and I would not trade it for anything in the world. And so when we allow God, when we put ourselves in a posture of obedience to allow God to just be God, don't try to outdo him. Don't try to outplan him. Don't try to outrun him. God does great work. And sitting in that that and allowing him to work is just, we have the easiest job in the world. (laughs) That's so good. And I interviewed someone a while back on the podcast talking about singleness. And she said something like, well, if you want to be motherly, go serve in the nursery at church or like be motherly. If you want romance, like get romance. And if you're lonely, invite people over and have a dinner party. And like, you're doing that so beautifully. 
Yeah, I, I exactly. I mean, I think that when you look at Acts 2.42, the church, they worshiped, they prayed, they ate together, they built this community. And if you are not serving in your church, if you are not inviting your community over, if you are not building those spiritual disciplines, cultivating them day in and day out, then you're going to feel far from God. You're going to feel like um, your cup isn't full. Our cup is only full when we are satisfied and completely drawing close and drawing near to God. So good. Okay. I want to get into some practical tips in the kitchen because clearly, you know, your way around a kitchen and we have a (laughs) lot of young listeners who might be like, okay, that sounds cool and everything. But the only thing I know how to make is macaroni and cheese. So what are maybe some like tried and true tips And then I would love for you to share maybe one or two amazing recipes that people could tackle. Yeah. So at the beginning of the book, um, if you go and you buy the book, um, there is what I put in there called the hosting handbook. And it is kind of my tips and tricks, my tips of the trade that you can um, use in your kitchen. What do you need to keep in your pantry? Um, I love to give people tons of permission and tons of grace and say, lean into your grocery store. So if you're not a baker, go to that bakery and pick up those Madeline's, pick up those, that cake, pick up, you know, those sweet goods that you don't have to make at home. Um, And if you are going to have a dinner party, lean into the frozen section. There are so many frozen apps right now that I'm like, I don't even have to make fried goat cheese balls. You've already made them for me. I just have to Uh heat them up. Praise hands. So um, there are a lot of things that I like to keep in my fridge, but all the time, if you were to open my fridge or my pantry at all, you would see crescent rolls. You would see um, a thing of... Uh, pesto. I always have some type of breaded chicken breast in my freezer. I really love cauliflower chicken. So that's usually what's in there. I have several recipes in the cookbook that use um, chicken, like just uh, pre-made chicken breast from the freezer that you just have to thaw and then do something with. Um, I also keep a lot of, I keep a couple of like gourmet pizzas or flatbreads in my freezer because those are super easy to pull out. Um, but a couple of recipes that I are my like tried and true are my puff pastry recipes in the cookbook. I have two of them. I have one that is kind of, and they kind of look like hot pockets. Um, for those of you that haven't, that don't have the cookbook, they look like hot pockets and, um, they're made with puff pastry and on the inside of one of them is chicken and pesto and tomatoes and mozzarella cheese. Super easy. And I say, don't make the chicken, just go buy the the pulled rotisserie chicken from the grocery store. It's so much easier to work with than having to like cook your own. And then um, I have another one that's like Mediterranean that has like olives and uh, mushrooms and chicken. Oh, it's so good. Um, So those are usually like fan favorites around my house. I think that there's also a beer bread in the in the, in the cookbook, that's really easy. And it takes about an hour to make and you just kind of throw the ingredients in there's yeast in beer. Um, the alcohol content cooks out, but the yeast in the beer, um, really helps, uh, puff up that bread. And it is so good to butter. You can do it in the morning with jam, or you can put it with mac and cheese if that's your jam. So anyway, it is 
So good. But those are kind of a couple of my favorite recipes from the book. I also have a ton of recipes um, that are 30 minutes and less and just really easy cleanup in one pot and all of that over on my website at a tabletopaffair.com. But uh, in the cookbook, those hot pockets and then um, the beer bread are probably some of my favorites. You had me at fried goat cheese balls. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I didn't even know that was a yeah. thing and I need them right now. <laughs> Yes, that there is a there is actually if you don't want to do the frozen, there is a recipe for them in the cookbook. But if you serve them with a little bit of honey, dip them in honey, woo, girl, you are talking about. I mean, such an easy appetizer, great for any time of year, and I promise you won't have leftovers. <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, so the living table. How does everyone get their hands on these recipes and the book and all the goodness? Yes. So it's available wherever books are sold. So if you're an Amazon person, Amazon, if you're a Walmart person, Walmart, if you are a Barnes and Noble, Barnes and Noble. Um, so anywhere books are sold, the publisher is Dayspring. So I think you can also get it through the publisher's website over at dayspring.com. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, over 200 pages of recipes and devotions and just goodness and everything that I've kind of talked about here is explained a little bit um, deeper in the book. And that is, you know, honestly, Katie, that's one thing that I hear more than anything is that people pick it up and they're like, I read this cookbook cover to cover and I don't usually do that, but I couldn't put it down. Um, there's just so much encouragement and I just feel like I could go and be um, you know, I, I could go and make good food in the kitchen and I, you've just taken all the pressure off. I don't have to be a food network star to have people in my home. And you know what? That just warms my soul because that is my prayer. Uh, Jesus wants us around the table and food is going to be that natural conduit. And if, you know, if the enemy has kind of built up all of these lies around us that say food is difficult or it's unapproachable, or you have to be Rachel Ray in order to put food on your table, then we're never going to get to the table. So I hope that this book kind of encourages people that, you know, you don't have to be perfect. Throw that off. Um, give yourself some grace, lean into your grocery stores um, or DoorDash or Uber Eats or name your, your delivery service and, and get to the table. That's so good. And that's so true. I think that there is a lot of misconception like, oh, woe is you. It's it's impossible to boil an egg. Like, no, it's not. Like, it's not. You can do this, sister. Like, yeah. if someone told you that it's too hard, that's a lie. Like, you can make a beautiful dinner and have lots of friends. I mean, if you invite me, I'll say yes. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, no, absolutely. And I think that that's what you're going to find. You're going to start asking people and saying, Hey, you want to come over? And they might say no to Tuesday night, but Saturday afternoon, they're all in. And so it's yeah. finding the rhythm, the right rhythm. I mean, if you have roommates, do stuff with your roommates, get to the table with your, I mean, make sure you're coming to the table because there is, I mean, there is so much goodness that the Lord has for you. If we come to the table. I want to hear some DMs from you guys after this and be like, you know, I used to eat Taco Bell in my bedroom with the door shut and now me and my roommates get together or, you know, I live alone, but now I have all my neighbors come over, whatever it may be. Yes. Like, I, I hope this is, this catches on. I think this is amazing. Yeah. No, it. it's, it's, it's so important. Yeah. Don't eat Taco Bell in your room. Eat it at the table. <laughs> Yes. And it's okay to have Taco Bell as long as you share it with friends. Okay. Yes. You mentioned it, but what's your website again? It's a tabletopaffair.com and you can find me on Instagram and Pinterest and 
all the things, uh, Facebook at a tabletop affair. So I'm always doing um, easy recipes, uh, you know, really timely content like Fourth of July and Father's Day and um, Memorial Day, Labor Day, Christmas, Friendsgiving, stuff like that. Um, and on Sunday nights, I do a Sunday Supper Club Instagram Live uh, where we talk about a really quick and easy meal. And I usually show you, hey, this is what the picture looked like. This is what it actually looks like. <laughs> and you really have a gift for that because, yes, you can take stylized, gorgeous pictures, but you also have the, and here's the behind the scenes. And here's yeah. how it doesn't look with all the right lighting. And it may look like this, but it tastes like this or whatever it is. And you just take the Martha Stewartness out and the reality yes. in. And it's, yeah, you're killing it, girl. <laughs> and this is what my kitchen actually looks like. This is what my sink actually looks like. <laughs> Yeah, people, people love the behind the scenes. Yes. And you share that. And that's beautiful. Well, I have a final question before I let you go. I like to ask all of my guests at the end, because this is called the truth for your twenties podcast. If you could have coffee with your 20 year old self, what would you say? Ooh, I get that a lot. I would Ooh. say, yeah. Ooh, I would probably say you are doing exactly what you need to be doing. I had a lot of doubt in my twenties. I did not think I was doing it right. I didn't think that I was where I needed to be. And I spent way too many nights um, disappointed, upset, crying alone because I thought that I had messed up in some way, that I wasn't married and I wasn't having kids. And I, I, I did it wrong. And lo and behold, at 32, I turn around and I say, wow. I needed those nights in Birmingham. I needed those nights in Columbia, South Carolina. I needed those nights in Waco, Texas. Um, I needed those experiences to be exactly where God. So, so if you're in your twenties and you're hearing this, if you're in your thirties and you're hearing this and you still feel like this, I feel like this too. Sometimes um, just know like God's preparing you for something and be a good steward of everything of every moment because you have no idea what the big picture is going to look like at the end of the day. Yes. And he doesn't waste a thing. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. So a living table, check it out and a table top affair on all the things. Thank you so much, Abby, for being here and sharing your wisdom and opening up your table, so to speak to our earbuds. (laughs) Yes. I love it. You know what? It's a, it's a virtual table and I love it that so many people are sitting down um, and chatting and talking and sharing experiences and ideas and, Oh, I made this meal. I want to hear all of it. So um, it's fun to, to get to chat with you. So thank you for having me on. Yeah. If you guys make any of your recipes, give her a shout out on Instagram. I'm sure she'd love that. Yay. All right. Well, thanks Abby. Everything I do started with having coffee dates with my younger friends. And this podcast, I like to imagine is just that, you and I having a coffee date. And if it went by too quickly for anyone else besides just me, there are plenty more episodes to check out in the archive. So just scroll up, find a topic that suits your fancy and give it a listen. If an episode made a difference in your life, take a screenshot, share it on social, give me a tag at Katie Wilmer Life so I can give you a big virtual hug. And leaving those reviews on iTunes it is a chai tea latte to my soul to see your reviews. And thank you so much for each of you who keep coming back week after week and getting some truths for your 20s. 
Hi, I'm Hannah. Thanks for listening to my mom's podcast, and my work here is done.